Do the trashy pulp novels of the world have anything to offer? Our bestseller is all they're cracked up to be. Here at Terrible Book Club, we explore whether you really can judge a book by its cover or its ridiculous synopsis. You ever passed a book and thought, ugh, who's reading this? We probably are. Hello and welcome to episode 174 of the Terrible Book Club. I'm Chris and this is Paris. Hello. This time we read Campfire Stories of Western Canada by Barbara Smith, published in 2016 by Heritage House. Paris's friend Christina recommended this for the show like six years ago. Really, again, not the timeliest <laughs> with your recommendations. Look. Look, every year is curated in a specific way and a specific order that allows us both to read things at a reasonable pace and also provides you with enough variety as a listener. So not we're re- so we are not reading the same fucking romance shifter book every week, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So anyway, a lot of thought and care goes into the scheduling. Unfortunately, this means that sometimes it takes us six years to read your book. But it's in the pile. We do keep track. Anyway, we finally found a spot for it in the schedule. Thanks, Christina, for putting up with me talking about terrible books all the time at work when we worked together for several years. Uh, I honestly don't remember why you recommended it because it was so long ago, but uh, I think I think I know now that I've read it. I think I know why. <laughs> so thank you. Uh, and yeah, hope, hope all is well. We don't work together anymore. It was uh, it was long ago in terms of employment, uh, but but yeah, ho- hope hope you're good. <laughs> Hope things are good. Hope you're not in Western Canada because yeah. <laughs> seems like things are bad there. Really haunted, I guess. If this is your first time listening to this show, what we do here at the Terrible Book Club is read books that we assume will be bad based on their cover, title, summary, or some combination of the three. Sometimes, like today, we read books that our patrons, listeners, or friends recommend, albeit six years later. So we do the opposite of what most people do in a bookstore or while they're browsing the internet. Usually the experiment results in a disappointing read, but once in a while we end up liking the book. Content warnings for today will include our usual barnyard language. Woof, moo, bark, honk. Plus, cartoon-level spooky stuff like a beheaded ghost and sasquatches and spectral french fries. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, um, I guess if you're Canadian, content warnings today include talking about how Canadians are the softest in the game. <laughs> we we might be talking about Canadians for a minute. If, if this book is any representation, whoo, whoo, well, y'all need to get actually scared for what. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I do actually. I have uh, I have some good friends uh, in Canada, in Western Canada, actually. So um, I, I love you. I don't think this book represents you. I hope not. Uh, I guess we're going to have to talk about horror stories, and I, sh- I probably should have done this before the episode, but I guess I'll report back at a later time yeah. about what the true Western Canadian said about uh, horror stories. I see. 
All right. Well, um, you can read the back of the book summary this time, Paris. Yeah. All right. All right. So this is the back of the book summary for uh, Campfire Stories of Western Canada. So this is what this is what the author thought would lure you in, or I guess what the publisher thought would lure you in. A fun for all ages collection of over thirty spooky stories in settings across Western Canada. When friends and family gather around a campfire, good times and scary stories are sure to follow. In Campfire Stories of Western Canada, Barbara Smith, the author of 20 books of true ghost stories from across Canada, presents a creepy collection of tales tailor-made for your family's next foray into the British Columbia or Alberta wilderness. Suitable for campers aged 8 to 80, these tales combine truth and local legend with truly bone-chilling results. From the phantom swimmer on a Vancouver Island beach to the lost lights of Waterton Provincial Park, these tales will keep the shivers running down your spine long after the campfire's last embers have died away. Okay, so it's a collection of very short ghost stories, so we're not going to list every character and setting. Although the setting is just Western Canada, so that's very easy to pin down. Mm -hmm. Eastern Canada, get the fuck out of here. I guess you're clear of ghosts. I don't, yeah, I don't know what's the Quebecois are really Canada. good ghost hunters turn out. Oh, no. It's because the Quebecois nationalists will only allow you to write about French ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> There's no other options. So they had to specifically make this about Western Canada because the separatists <laughs> have taken over the East. <laughs> all right. Well, we're, again, we're not going to summarize all of the stories okay. in here. Uh, honestly, it's a pretty thin summary today, and we'll probably we'll end up reading some of the stories here. But the summary that we can give you is that it's your standard spooky campfire story fare, albeit even softer than usual, perhaps as we yeah, mentioned. Yeah, it's it's not standard; it is substandard. We do get the old man door hand hook car door chestnut in here. <laughs> that classic. Yeah. So that guy started in New Jersey and went all the way to Western Canada yeah. or something. <laughs> like. Traveling on his by grabbing onto car doors with his hook hand. <laughs> Imagine if that's if that's all this is. Yeah. Is this a fucking hobo man? He, that's just how he gets around. And he keeps falling no, off. That's the annoying part. Yeah, it's like <laughs> it's some cursed cursed being or ghost who like is cursed to only travel by hook hand car door and that's yes. like everyone is terrified but he's like I'm just trying to get from point A to point B they banned me from the spectral bus this is what I am cursed <laughs> to do forever <laughs> oh my god that's what happens to all those tech entrepreneurs who try to reinvent the bus this is how they're cursed in the afterlife yeah, they're forced, forced to hook hand car door <laughs> across that's across Elon's fate <laughs> all right but yeah that's the deal like you know someone sees a ghost somewhere and it, it flies away and they go oh i'm spooked yeah. there's one paris you found oh you didn't find this i mean you were the first to get to it to reveal it to me that there's a william hope hodgson in here yeah it's no it's not it's not a knack though it's not a knack there's True, no karnak it's, it's, it's not a lost karnak and i mean guess what it turns out to be the spookiest of them all in a way because there's at least something kind of horrifying in there he wasn't canadian was he uh i i have no idea i thought he was british but hold on william I feel like hope ken Hodgson. recommended him you know one must assume british but was an English author. So why is he up in the okay, Canadian thing? <laughs> what allows That's you That's a great question. Why do you why is he allowed in the Canadian campfire stories? Western Canada. Huh. Yeah, interesting. 
He was all the way. He would have to go through Eastern Canada first to get to Western Canada, and I don't and then believe be killed any... because he was going to bring <laughs> ghost stories to Western Canada. Hold on, let me um, like look in the Wikipedia article to see if like he went to Canada because he went to sea, right? Uh, there is no reference to Canada in the William Hope Hodgson Wikipedia. So Western article. Canada just was like, these are stories for us, but then we stole this one from William Hope Hodgson. <laughs> this, just this one, just this specific one, kind of made the cut somehow. Sure, I get. Thanks, Barbara, for including. Yeah, uh, I mean, it had a, it had an interesting idea, but it was executed poorly. So I I don't know. Yeah, because it wasn't even like she copy pasted; she retold it. Right. Um. Okay. So let's uh let's talk about what was good about this. Um, what was good about it? I mean, hmm. I guess. If you really just want something quick and easy to spook a small child, I don't. Okay, no, that's <laughs> not. You are going off script. This is not in the notes. You're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> All right, fine. I'm trying to okay. be generous. All right, my first note about things that were good about this was. All right, there's there's an intro to the story collection that tells you how to read campfire stories, and I gotta say. I appreciate this because the first time I read to a group of children, I did a horrible job and had to be told by a coworker who was a dad that I needed to show the pictures and look at the children. <laughs> I, I did not know. I thought you just read the book out loud. I didn't understand what I was doing. So for people like me out there who don't know how to read to groups of people, I actually think the intro is helpful. Um, so that was good. I mean, great. <laughs> Did you, I mean, were you just like jealously hogging the illustrations to your own eyeballs? And you're like, oh, these kids don't have to see these. I I can enjoy them from here. Yeah, I guess I just didn't think it mattered. But then I was like, oh, right. Kids, kids like pictures and colors. I don't know, man. I don't know how to, I don't know how to do this. <laughs> <laughs> um, there, we can talk about the three stories that I thought were good. Um, there is a story. Is it called A True Gentleman or The True Gentleman? Yeah, that it? that's it. Where this woman is shopping in a shop in a uh, mall and she parks in the garage and it's like at the end of the day, at the end of the night and the mall is closing and she's like the last person out of the mall basically. And so she's the she's like the only car on her parking deck and whatever. And she gets to her car and there's a, and I forget like her tire. She had a flat and there's one other car and a guy in the garage. And he like comes over to help her and everything's cool. She's like, Oh, he's just being nice. And then like, at some point she gets, the sense that something is wrong like he says or does something that spooks her so she runs as fast as she can to like the stairwell and finds the guard like the parking lot attendant and he comes back with her to her car and the guy is gone but his car is still there and they like i forget if they open the trunk or something i don't know how they would open a stranger's trunk i don't quite know i think it was just already open Oh, yeah, it was already open. And they look in it, and there's just, like, rope and knives and duct tape. And yeah, like, Dennis right, Reynolds' that's... tools that he talks about. You know, my tools. I need my tools. Yeah, yeah it was pretty horrible. I mean, that one was actually scary because that's just, like, legitimately a thing that can happen. Like, men sure. trying to kidnap people yes. so in perhaps parking garages. Campfire stories can also be educational to people that 
<laughs> yeah, maybe the campfire story should then be like, and that's why you don't open a spam email <laughs> and click the links. <laughs> and so- and then um, all the money was drained from her account. I mean, that would be better than than the other stories. Anyway, that one was actually scary because it it did feel extremely dark. Like a live person was going to harm another live person in a scenario that was very believable, which is what made it scary. The other story that was pretty good was the North Door. This is sort of more of a like, uh, not scary, but like chuckle and spooky like spooky and kind of funny a spooky um, chuckle uh, a spooky ooh. chuckle uh, ooh, yeah <laughs> um, it's a story of this old woman who's lived in this hotel or lived in this uh like high-rise apartment building forever and she is like oh you never go to the south elevator you always use the north elevator because like the north elevator drops her off right at her door basically and she gets in the elevator and this guy gets in after her and he's just staring straight ahead. She's talking to him and he's not responding. And she's like, fucking rude guy. And she's talking and talking and he's not saying anything. And she's like, oh. he gets off at like a couple floors below her. And, you know, she goes up to her floor or whatever. And it ends with the perspective of a guy in the elevator. And he's like, oh, my God, I just experienced the North Elevator ghost. And, you know, so the old lady is actually the ghost. The guy wasn't rude. I thought it was fine. It was a good switcheroo at the yeah, end. It was short. It did it, it did it for me. Also, it's extremely stereotypically Canadian for the ghost story to revolve around. Someone was rude in an elevator to me. <laughs> yeah. Someone didn't oh talk God. back in an elevator to me. That seems very out of the ordinary. I know. Person, something I feel like wrong. If in America, if someone talked to you in an elevator, <laughs> you would assault them. Or you know, I mean, you just don't Pull out your big iron and fight yeah. at them. <laughs> no, it's pretty pretty normal to not respond to some weirdo in a fucking elevator lord knows i've done it i've ignored people in elevators before um yeah yeah you're the ghost no no you're you're not that was the ghost i'm the ghost um and then like we said the william hope hodgson story was cool uh it was not told well but the idea was cool like uh basically guys are out at sea they're near an island and they're like oh man an island because i think they were like blown i don't know they're blown off course there was a storm or something and they're just kind of idling and they see a figure in a rowboat and it's nighttime and they're like people on that island that's weird and the rowboat gets closer but he, you know the rowboat person in the rowboat doesn't have a light and he yells up to the guys in the boat and he's like hey please don't shine a light down on me but we really i really my wife and i really need some food and they're like, uh, you know, they kind of weigh, like, is this a trick or not? But they ultimately decide to give them some food. And they're, he's like, thank you so much. He's like, I'm going to go away. And, you know, and then, like, he comes. I don't know why they were there for so long. But he comes back at some point, And they're like, you know, he's like, don't worry. This is the last time I'm going to ask you for food. And they're like, okay, why? And he's like, well, I don't think we're going to live much longer. And they're like, what? <laughs> and, and the reason he didn't want them to shine a light down on them was because he is he has been subsumed in this algae as his wife has and so he's just like a shambling mass of algae and this happened because they were on a ship that had some algae on it and the wife was uh i forget everyone else had died or something and they were trying to survive so the wife started eating the algae and it took over her body and then it also started taking over the husband and he was like, I know we're going to die soon, but we just, 
want some food to live a little bit longer and then he just like rows back and it's really sad and <laughs> you just see like I don't know just how desperation can sometimes lead to worse consequences than you know than the one you're trying to avoid and mm-hmm. you it's know, a it's reasonable kind of, spook yeah it's reasonable reasonable spook uh, it was not told well though it was told about as well as I just retold it um, <laughs> so it didn't really didn't really have the edge really the just haphazardly repackaged as taking place in the Canadian w- wilderness. So I the suppose Canadian that's waters, why. Yeah. yeah, that's it's the only reason it got included here. Barbara was desperate to hit the 30 mark and she only had 29, even though a lot of these are retellings anyway. So I feel like you could have respun one more <laughs> in just the right way, but she had to pull from the old public domain pool. Yeah. Alright, let's talk about things that were bad, which you've already started talking about. Yeah, I look, literally all of the other stories were bad. All the stories were so underwhelming. Bare minimum both, spooks. Just like barely content. detectable on the spookometer. Yeah, both like in content and execution. If anyone read me these stories, I would insist we stop and do anything else. Give me a give me a bump instead. I like <laughs> I am truly in literary hell if I am screaming for a goosebumps book instead of what we are I reading. I like your phrasing. Like that. Just I need a bump of that goose just man. Just a like, little <laughs> Do you got me on you? Cuz I could really just use like a little bump of that of that goose. Please, please. Just like one I mean, living dummy. I'll even take the living dummy yeah. one. It's fine. I know it's not as good. Haunted tower. I mean anything. And look, this I mean, this comes from, like, I'm not even joking. I literally have three Fear Street books in my bag that a friend gave me because he found them on the ground. Um, <laughs> so, so I'm like, I'm like out ready. Out in the streets. <laughs> that's where you're getting your bump. You're so fiendish that it's just like, I yeah, don't care yeah. if it was on the street. I'll, uh, fine. I... Well, this is my point. Like, I got to have these at hand because when street we're reading things bumps. that are so terrible, I just got to like. Oh, I'm just gonna crack one open and be like, "All right, there's, there's some, some Stein. Oh, all right, all right, I can go back." You know about like kids killing people with a camera. That's actually terrifying. The idea of children killing people with a camera is horrifying compared to the shit in this campfire story collection. I want to tell Barbara to say cheese and die. <laughs> Jesus Christ. How about the one where it's telling you the story of a monster whose name is a palindrome and therefore the big reveal at the end is like, did you know that Ogopogos is a palindrome monster? So what? I'm supposed to be afraid of palindromes now? Oh no, symmetry. Oh no, the taco cat is approaching. (laughs) Like, I don't get it. Well, like, it's just kind of like telling us, like, this is like an indigenous monster story that was around there. And it's a monster with, like, a horse head that's very, like, an eel horse kind of thing. And it might Uh eat you. But also, the the name is a palindrome. I don't know. Like, it feels like that's the wrong thing to focus on at the end there. I mean, it's just your classic lake monster in North America. That was, sure. The, the idea is taken from the indig- indigenous people, but it's like your Loch Ness, your, your yes. champy, you know, that's all, that's all it is. E- exactly. So why not focus in on, like, most of the story is about this guy that goes across and forgot to leave his sacrificial horses for the horse head monster. That's kind of oh, weird, right. actually, now that I'm thinking about it. Why would the horse head <laughs> monster want to eat other things that looked like it? Well, it's a serpent. It's not a horse. It just has a horsey head. Does it have a horse head because it eats horses? It's like a snake. And it like ate the horse whole. So the horse head is just stuck in the front of the snake head and he couldn't really swallow it. 
So it looks like it's a horse head? I don't think... No, I think people just had it, uh, had trouble describing what it looked like. So um, let me double check here. I'm pretty sure it does not have an actual horse head. Anyway, it's not like we get the... Cl- like, that story is retold in some way, but the end... The way it says Ogopogo is a palindrome is at the very end as if it's... I'm, not the punchline, but you know what I mean. Like the big thing at the end of the horror story that's supposed to make you get those bumps, those goosebumps. And I don't know what's particularly hor- horrifying about having a palindrome name. Yeah, and speaking of other other ones that had especially bad endings... There are two or three of them that end with, and that man was X. And one of them is, <laughs> and that man was Teddy Roosevelt. <laughs> like, I just can't believe this continual joke that we have on this show actually showed up in a book and it was printed with a fucking straight face. Like, <laughs> It was the Sasquatch story where it's like, and the man that was hunting the Sasquatch was Teddy Roosevelt. I was like, yeah. he's not even a Canadian president. Why do you guys care <laughs> Yeah, that actually, that's a good point. I don't, this is what? Western Canada. Why are we talking about Teddy Roosevelt? I, I, he was up in there, I'm sure, right? So there must be some urban rough rider legends or whatever about Teddy Roosevelt well, in Canada, too. I mean, too. he was up in there, but like, I, uh, yeah, I mean, he was born in New York. So it's not even like, oh, he was born in Canada. Because you've got to be born in the U.S. to be president, right? That's like, that was a whole thing a few years ago. <laughs> so I don't really get why. I mean, I'm sh- yeah, like he was he was very into, you know, the outdoors. So I'm sure he did some outdoorsing in, in Western Canada at some point. But like, yeah, it was it's a weird choice. And I forget who the other one, the other one that ended the other two that ended with like and that man was Abraham Lincoln or something. <laughs> that man was Justin Trudeau, the only Canadian <laughs> like <laughs> politician that I can name right now. So many of these were so bad. Um I think you like I think you were your note is pretty good um because I think that's actually way scarier. The note I had here it was about again coming back to the fact that these are bare minimum spooks that we're getting here. And I guess that's fine if it's for kids and you can't be like, and then they realized that they were powerless to stop corporate malfeasance, which would lead to the housing market being impenetrable unless your parents give you a house or you and your partner land high paying jobs. Woo! You know, the kind of shit that's spooking us millennials all the time, right? Like, you know, if it's for kids, man, door hand hook car door is fine for them because they've never experienced a spooky story before. So you just got to put the flashlight under your face and be like, and then he was rude in the elevator. I Yeah, I don't know, man. And I then the like... monster had a name that was the same forwards and backwards. Have you heard of a palindrome before? <laughs> I think kids could understand being eternally homeless or house insecure if you if you wrote it in the right <laughs> way. Like, I, I just I disagree. Like, I oh, these stories suck. Um. All right, so we actually have a couple of stories that are basically just about ghosts stealing your money, and so Chris <laughs> and I have some questions. There's two stories that. in here, right, about ghost retail establishments? Yes. I'm going to read... Should I just read the first story? Um, That one's kind of long. I think the... Which one's shorter, the, the diner one or the long, theater one? you mean four pages. Yes. That's what I do indeed mean four pages. But okay, which which one is slightly shorter, the theater one or the diner one? What what's flavor uh, of retail good. spook? Wow, the theater one's actually six pages, so I will okay. read the first one. Sure. 
we'll go ahead and read the first story. All right. All right, everybody. <clears throat> All right, we got the we got the fire going. Flicked on my flashlight. S'more is sizzling. It's dark. We're outside. This is the tale of the roadside diner. A couple of years ago, a few of us were heading back from a week's camping in the mountains. We'd had a great time. Lots of hiking, swimming, climbing, and general unwinding. Late in the evening of our last day at the campground, we all piled into the van and headed for home. Driving at night wasn't a concern for us. We were all familiar with the route. And also, fucking headlights exist. Like, why is this a note? <laughs> we were a good 80 kilometers into the trip when Gina, who was riding shotgun, noticed a strange light up ahead. We all stared at the glow, but no one could figure out what it could be. Maybe it's a UFO, Greg teased. Except it's not flying, countered his brother Joe, who was driving. Ashley, ever the sensible one, suggested we just keep driving till we were closer to the light and could figure out what it was. <laughs> well, since you're Ashley, keep the voice driving, of reason that's... in the car, just like, hey guys, fucking relax. Just, <laughs> if we keep going forward, we'll figure it out. <laughs> a few minutes later, we could plainly see that the glow Gina had first spotted was a brightly lit neon sign welcoming hungry travelers to a roadside diner. I was puzzled. That place must be new, I said. I've never seen it before. Maybe new, but totally retro, Greg noted. Let's stop for a burger. I'm up for that, Joe said as he steered the van into the parking lot. Look at what a cool job they've done on this place, Ashley exclaimed. Could be right out of that old TV show Happy Days, Gina agreed, staring up at the sign that read, Red Grill and Diner. I didn't have a creative name. It's just red. I guess we'll call it the Red Grill. Once we were inside, we saw that the attention to detail was even more impressive. Someone had gone to a great deal of trouble to recreate an absolutely accurate mid-1950s look. The floor was a checkerboard of black and white tiles. Half a dozen red vinyl stools stood in front of a well-polished counter. On one side were booths upholstered with the same red vinyl, each one with room enough for all of us. We chose a booth by the window, looking out at the headlights and taillights of our fellow night travelers zipping past on the highway. We were the only customers. What does everyone want? Ashley asked. Well, we're here in a good old-fashioned diner, so I think we should have good old-fashioned diner food, I suggested. A few minutes later, the door behind the counter swung open and a middle-aged woman came out. We all nearly gasped. She was done up as perfectly as the restaurant was. She was wearing a replica of an old-style waitress uniform, including a white apron fringed with a bit of a frill and a perky little headband hat to match. Her plastic name tag read Vera. What can I get for ya? Vera asked, shifting a wad of chewing gum in her mouth and licking the business end of her pencil before pressing it against the order pad she held in her other hand. There was no doubt about it. She had her roll nailed. I'll have fries with gravy, I said, relishing the fact that I hadn't uttered those words for a decade or more. What the fuck? You live in Canada. You have routine <laughs> all the time. Shut up. Double cheeseburger for me, Joe requested. Make that too, his brother added. Cherry Coke for me, Gina said. Apple pie a la mode, Ashley said. A few minutes later, Vera arrived back at our table, skillfully juggling our orders. There you go, she said as she unceremoniously set the plates and glasses down in front of us. The taste of the food more than made up for what it lacked in presentation. We all nibbled from one another's plates and agreed everything was delicious. What, everyone's sipping on that one Coke that one person That's got? That's really just Gina. <laughs> it's just like, <laughs> I'll have the Coke, I guess. We lingered a bit after eating, I suppose just not wanting this unique experience to end. Finally, Joe stood up. Oh, we've got to get on the road again, he said. This one's on me, I offered. I'll go get Vera's attention so she can make up the bill. The waitress was leaning against the counter reading a movie star magazine. You had now? She asked when she saw me walking toward her. 
I nodded. How much do we owe you? Let's see. That was two double cheeseburgers, a cherry Coke, fries with gravy, and an apple pie a la mode, right? I nodded again. Comes to 555, Vera said, handing me a copy of the bill. That can't be. But it is. I know the prices are up these days, but you should have checked the menu before you ordered. I looked at the tally. My chips and gravy cost 60 cents. Double cheeseburgers were 175 each. The apple pie was 125. And the cherry coke, 20 cents for a total of 555. Yes, <laughs> why did you have to itemize? Thanks the for bill? the math. <laughs> I, I handed Vera a $10 bill and walked back to the van with the others. 10 minus 555 was about <laughs> 445. Must have been some kind of special deal on there tonight, I told them. That was a cheap round. We should stop here more often, Gina suggested as we drove back onto the highway. The next week, I was telling some of my friends at work about this crazy old-fashioned diner we found just off the highway. One of the fellows who had lived around here all his life looked surprised. Have you been there? I asked him. No, I haven't, but the place you're describing sounds an awful lot like the diner where my grandparents first met. Darn shame what happened there. What do you mean, what happened? Place burned to the ground. Everyone made it out safely except the waitress. My folks always said Vera gave her life for that place. I guess, in fact, she did. Vera? Yeah, she worked there. Was real devoted to the place. You know, you've got me thinking. Pretty sure that fire happened almost exactly 60 years ago. It was around the end of August. Anyway, I remember that part for sure. Spectral French fries <laughs> from the beyond. Yeah, I... So the spook here is you got a cheap meal. You got a cheap, nice meal. <laughs> I mean, if you can keep figuring out how to go back to that diner, you could right? survive I, inflation. Th th that's survive. the question I have for we you, We got to get so to like, the diner. <laughs> at first, my first question is, okay, I understand probably at this point, no, because, but would you go back for your money? Like, I mean, assumingly the diner little? isn't there anymore. That's Yeah, no. okay, for five fifty five, probably not. I'll just no. let it go. And, but it's probably like on the ground in an abandoned parking lot somewhere. Oh, you're right. Yeah, because it would just be in the ashes of the, or you know, the dust of the diner. I guess you could go yeah. fish it out. But, right, like if but, you're like, wait, it's then, there. But then Vera is gonna fucking haunt you forever, and I don't know if how I do want you that. know? Maybe she just only shows up that one night of the year, and you can get your fucking money back and have also had a good meal. Okay, okay. What if? All right. So what if you know the one night of the year where this diner is gonna be open? So you just order fucking everything. Can you take the ghost food with you and freeze it oh, at home yes. so that you can, can live off of it for a month? I want five thousand double cheeseburgers, Vera. <laughs> I want that's twenty. That's like ten years worth of burgers, actually. So. <laughs> Wait a second. So, is Vera also the cook? Is there a ghost? Is there just no cook back? Well, she yeah. So out? it said Vera was the only one that didn't make it out, right? Like in at the end of the story. So she is also the one cooking there. Unless the fries and burgers and cherry cokes materialize out of nowhere, what if God that that is hell, man? Imagine <laughs> being destined to just cook and serve diner food for the rest of your eternal existence. Oof. I, so I, I think I would go back to the ghost diner for five fifty five <laughs> for all that food, man. I would I would definitely go back to eat there again. Yeah, if I knew what time the ghost diner was going to be there, I'd be there <laughs> what for time ghost, the ghost diner. diner but can you check ghostal maps? I would definitely go back for I not not just for my I would just at least go back to see if my money was on the ground. Yeah, I would dropped too. I or would, whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would check what, it out. Does wait, but does ghost food nourish you? Do you get actually like caloric intake from the ghost food? Were like they satisfied? Honestly, probably not, which makes it the best kind of food because it tasted amazing. Right? They enjoyed, they had the sensory experience. Oh my God, Chris, we gotta find ghost diners. We gotta do it. <laughs>
Tell one of okay, Paris, like... would you, as a vegetarian, would you mm-hmm. eat a ghost burger that was made of ghost beef? Well, no, because I don't like the taste of, of meat, so. Okay, fair I'm enough. I'm not interested, but. Um... Would you try it? Well, no, because I know what a burger tastes like. I had burgers before. Maybe the ghost burger it. is so different and spectral. Stop and trying to bully me into breaking <laughs> veg in the ghost realm. I'm not. I'm just curious. I just want to know where the veg line is for some people. Uh, all right. Yo, get us get us your spectral diner maps. We need this. I need this for Anyway, there's another story purposes. about a ghost theater that we mentioned before, which is equally as stupid because it really is just like he goes in and watches a movie and someone's weird and then he leaves and then the theater wasn't real. No, it's scarier because when he's in there, the theater is on fire or he thinks it's on fire and he has to like escape, which I get is pretty scary if you're in a theater and it's on fire, but he gets out like pretty immediately so i don't really know yeah the ghosts aren't trying to trap him in there yeah so again i don't understand what the point of that is would you go back there for your money because he wasn't undercharged at like that ghost theater was keeping up with current pricing it seemed like for him to get admission i don't know if he paid to go in Oh, so he's I like, think it might have been free. Hang on, let me check. Maybe the ghost theater, like, it's only on it's fire important. if you try to, like, skip the ticket part of it. Uh, like, if, if he had paid, he would have been fine. No, he didn't pay. He walked in, saw it was abandoned, went, what a fucking dump, kicked the carpet, and then the projector went on. So I guess the theater and the entryway are the same room. And, <laughs> um, it's really a and- small theater. And then the movie turned into reality and he thought the flames in the movie were real and then he was scared and he ran away. Real gripping stuff. Yeah. So anyway, ghost retail establishments. Is there a ghost retail establishment that you would actually frequent besides the ghost diner? Like ghost target? No, because you can't take the, if you can't take the stuff home, then I don't want to go to ghost target. <laughs> what if it's like really to- ghost guitar center? It's like again, everything again, is no matter where you're standing in the store everything is really washed out with reverb and sounds like it's far away like all the noodling <laughs> just that is trying to happen ghost guitar center uh is just people playing guitar poorly everywhere can't escape yep that's true um, i guess ghost food is really the only good one right because like you get the experience there ghost theater also i suppose ghost amusement park is a classic one i don't think i'd go on a ghost roller coaster i just don't want to play with gravity no. Ghost Coaster sounds like that's how you end up there forever because you die on it. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. So, yeah, I guess Ghost Food is really the only appropriate. (laughs) As always, we're always food motivated here. That's the only thing that can trap us into your spectral prison. Um, Another weird recurring theme in these stories, I think there were three stories where people are camping in Western Canada. And after three days, they say... I'm bored of this. I need to go back to the city. So they fucking drive away from their campsite to go shopping or go see a movie or go do something with the intent that like they're going to, I don't know, do city stuff for half a day and then go back to camping. And I just that makes no sense to me. Like if you're camping, you're fucking camping. That is what you're doing from start to finish. The whole appeal is to not be amongst cars and traffic and concrete and people like if you don't want to camp after three days just pack up and go home i don't understand (laughs) this whole break thing it is absolutely bizarre to me i don't get it 
I don't get it. As someone that um, has almost never camped in his entire life, I think I've camped once, and that was with my partner like a year or two ago. And, you know, after day three, I was like, I want my own bed. So I am that jerk. But I guess this this whole book is designed to threaten me into staying because if I leave and go back to the city, I'll be haunted by some like little turd boy ghost that's like, you should have <laughs> stayed out in the wilderness and getting bitten by bugs. Really, honestly, Paris, it's I don't actually mind camping that much. It was fun. I enjoyed it. It's nice to be out in nature and like, you know, you. You can't just pop over to the supermarket. You got to come with like some food and resources. It's really the bugs. I came back bitten up so bad. And I had been spraying myself with bug spray the whole entire time. Yet my flesh is so delicious and like, I don't know, I guess full of city juice and salt that all the bugs were like, yeah, that one. He's got the taste. I think you're just going to get better bug repellent because um, bug repellent does does work. Um, so maybe your bug spray just sucked. Uh or you were camping at a very buggy time of year in wherever in that location. Because, like, if you're somewhere, for example, during uh, black fly season, you're fucked. You're going to be covered in painful bites constantly. It's not It's not good. Um, or, like, in the d- depth of summer when mosquitoes are really bad. But, you know, if you go in, I forget, if you go in, like, fall or early summer... Or you do winter camping. Winter camping's great. No bugs then. Yeah. Are black flies more formal flies? Yeah, they're more formal in that they're full of <laughs> misery and pain. Because um, they're all suited up, right? Yes. <laughs> it's my black fly event that we have to um, go to. I think it's black flies, right? Is Are those the ones that bite really hard? Am I... Paris, I don't know. I to me, all confused. bugs are small, invisible sounds that make me go ouch later because I can't see the bugs to track them except for the, the, the sound of them buzzing by my ear, which is why I strongly dislike bugs. Oh, no. I think I'm getting them confused with a different... You're confusing them with the blue collar flies. <laughs> <laughs> In overalls with their fly trucks. Um, I'm trying to remember well, I got to get all these maggots across the campground so we can get some more flies to bite all the other people that are coming <laughs> down here for this season. Um, Real heavy time I, of the year. Yes. Uh, now I'm confused if I, I think I'm maybe is it black flies or is it something else? There's some kind of fly that is bitey and annoying in New England and there's a certain season for them. And now I can't remember which anyway. Plan better is my advice to you and get different <laughs> bug repellent because I think your bug repellent sucked. Um, okay, I'll just take a bath in bug repellent every morning. Um, well, no, I mean, the other trick is to just you just have to wear clothing that protects your skin. So you can't be out there in booty shorts and a tank top, you know, you got to wear. All right, everyone tuck your pants into your socks. Yeah, actually, that is how <laughs> this is how you are outside without being uncomfortable. Anyway, um. I don't get it. Either you're either you're camping or you're not camping. This taking a break shit in the middle. Fuck off. I hate it. Like <laughs> just end your camp session if you're done. Uh, there. Let's just talk about some of the other dumb story twists. There were quite a few. Um, and then maybe I'll read a few more stories because you can see exactly how dumb they are. So there was one about a cursed ring called a nasty ring to it. Ooh. Oh, I hated that one. 
So a, a dude walks into a, like an antique store and there's an old wizened lady in there and he sees a ring in the window and she's like, no, you can't buy that ring. So why'd you put it in the window? Why'd you put it in the fucking front <laughs> display then if you don't want to sell it? Yeah. And he buys it anyway and he's a drummer in some local band. And, and then they're going to make goes, it big. They're about to make it big, right? And then he goes the whole... to the gig and he, like the whole band plays shitty. Assumingly they get booed because of the off the stage. Ra- <laughs> they get booed off the stage, like the old Apollo Theater fucking hook coming off the side to yank the whole drum set off. That didn't really happen, but like that's the impression that you yeah, got. Yeah, Shepherd's there. Crook came out. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's... And, and so, like, apparently the ring has cursed them to all play out of time or shitty, and it's so embarrassing. It describes the guitar player walking off. To never be seen again. <laughs> he is, walks off into the grass. Into the tall fucking grass. No, I added that detail in, in the notes there, but it just made oh, it funnier to me to like did. imagine him just like getting swallowed up by like I don't know some fucking Iowa corn husk grass or something. Because he's well, so embarrassed about the shitty gig that he played. Listen, man, if we all if if guitar players had to fucking disappear into the wilderness every time a bad gig happened, there'd be none of us left anymore. I would have been long gone. Yeah, yeah, there'd be no musicians left if that were the case. It happens, man. And then also he the drummer hurts himself his hands enough that he can never drum again. But there are handless drummers out there. Yeah, I was very confused by that. I was like, that. yeah, there are drummers who lack a hand or hands, and they are able to drum. So I thought it was pretty fucked up. They were like, he lost. Didn't he like only lose? I forget. What did he lose? Uh, was it even his whole hand? I think it was a couple fingers. Yeah, and they were like, he could never play again. I was like, that doesn't make any sense. I think that he, he sure could. can. He um, sure can. Yeah, so that was odd. And... <laughs> Then again, that was just it was just stupid and then like someone else you know so he i don't know throat or he dies i forget what happened. he just gives up his music career and then the janitor at the hospital steals the ring off his hand when he's right. asleep right or when he's yeah. yeah when he's getting operated on or something like that and even then the janitor doesn't really keep it he just throws it in the gutter after i don't know i forget why he doesn't even keep it I think it gets stuck on his hand and he has to cut it off and he's like, fuck this ring and throws it away. And, and then the else... old lady scurries out from the darkness to like grab it out of the gutter. Yeah. And she's like, finally, my ring is back. And it's like, then who will she give it to next? Like, what is the plan here? Yeah. What is she gaining power from every person <laughs> who gets injured by the ring? I don't. She just fucking hates local bands. She just really. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, then she is a pay-to-play promoter. That's her yeah, side that's gig. I is. mean, if, if her One day a band is... didn't sell their fair share of tickets and forevermore her curse of revenge against all local bands is to force them to walk <laughs> off into the wilderness never to be seen again by playing oh. a shit. They were going to play that gig shitty anyway. You didn't have to give them the yeah. ring. <laughs> you didn't have to actually do anything. <laughs> but yeah, I don't like, what is the motivation? There is, it doesn't make any sense. It's like, okay, it would be one thing if the woman didn't know the ring was cursed and just sold it, that would be fine. Why are you trying to make a connection between the woman and the ring? Like, what does she gain? It, there is no apparent reason for her to want to keep recycling the evil cursed ring back into the population. I... And if she wants to do that, why would she not want to sell it? Or is that yeah. her move to like get you to buy, like, oh, it's my special ring, you can't have it? I guess, but it's it's just not clear. I It's bad. 
Um, and then how we... embarrassing of a gig do you have to play to like want to like walk into the ocean? Like, what would have to happen? Oof, I don't know. I mean, I feel like a lot would have to happen. Right, like you, like we have a weird disease, a bug that keeps us coming back, even if we do play shitty shows. You're just like, I need to, I still need to try again because the yeah. good parts are so good that it makes you want to come back. I feel like for in order for me to want to erase myself from society. I'd have to play a gig that not only did I play crappily, but somehow it ended in some kind of death clock style mass murder of the audience or, or something. Like, like you just shit everywhere on right, stage. Like, like, yeah, it like it's be... like massive diarrhea. And even then, again, unless the diarrhea also killed an audience member, I think I'd still come back for more. Wow. Yeah, it would have to be. Uh, yeah, I don't know what would take me out of the music scene forever. It certainly wouldn't be a single bad show. I don't get like that's so dramatic and stupid. <laughs> Again, the the author here I don't think understands the the disease that live musicians have. Yeah. All right, the next one we can talk about is and so the day began, which is lady needs cream for her coffee, realizes she's out. God forbid she drink a fucking black coffee like a normal person. Uh, so she goes to the store, and she's walking up to the cream case, and there's a spectral child near the cream case, and she's like, oh, fuck, and then she never <laughs> put cream in her coffee again. Go to a different what? grocery store. Yeah, go to go to the unhaunted grocery store probably a couple <laughs> miles away, or... But, like, the boy and the cream had nothing to do with each other other than the boy was, like, kind of <laughs> near it. So Was he, like, murdered by coffee cream? And he's, like, <laughs> stands near the coffee cream the entire time. Like, don't do it. I was lactose intolerant. <laughs> well, I'm not ghost boy. Get the fuck out of here. I want my cream. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just. I mean, I could also easily convince myself that I was seeing, like. A refract, a reflection, or like a hologram. I'd just be like, "Oh, that's weird." And just take my cream and <laughs> just leave. Get the it's cream like, anyway. It's like uh, he left. It's fine. I like, even if he was a ghost. So the thing I'll never understand about how, why ghosts are scary is like ghosts don't have a reputation for killing people. Like, why would you be afraid of a little child? Like, it's not gonna kill kill you. I don't. It depends on the ghost story, right? I guess they're assumed to always be malicious, but if it's just a little child next to the creamer, I don't know. Like, I would still just be like, do you, can I, like, hand you the creamer? Like, what can get you to shuffle off this mortal coil, this immortal undead coil, I suppose, to, like, yeah. get you out of it? Like, what can I do for your little boy? Like, do you want, do you want to smell the coffee creamer? Like, I, it's the brown butter cookie one. That one's really good. Yeah, I mean, my instinct would similarly be, like, how can I help this ghost? Not like I'm never going to drink cream again. <laughs> and the thing is, the, the little boy ghost didn't even do anything. It's not even like he looked at her and said, boo, he was just there like looking at ice cream. And she was like, oh no, a child likes ice cream. Ah. It, it didn't make any sense. I guess you're supposed to assume she never went to the grocery store for cream ever again, but she still went to the grocery store. Right, she still ate food. <laughs> so I, well, it's just, I it's Instacart for the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, all right, I think I'm gonna read Happy Birthday, one of the one of the worst stories in this whole collection. Okay. <clears throat> Amanda opened her eyes a tiny bit. Happiness coursed through her body. She curled her toes around the soft flannel lining of her sleeping bag and smiled to herself in delight. 
What a great sleep she'd had. Nothing so refreshing as spending the night safe and sound, surrounded by loved ones, all hidden away in the deep dark wood where the world's troubles would never think to come looking. Better still, today was her birthday. The only present Amanda had wanted was a family camping trip at the lake, and everyone, all her brothers, ancestors, grandparents, and of course her parents, had made that happen for her. She couldn't remember ever feeling so content, but then she'd never celebrated her 20th birthday before. If you thought this was a child who was like seven, I did too, and that reveal was scary to me. Um, next month, she'd be off to college, but for now, she could just enjoy. Learn college a little late? Yes. This evening, maybe while they were barbecuing dinner, she would say a few words to make sure everyone knew how very grateful she was that they had all come together to celebrate her day. Three generations, all of them healthy and happy and knowing that without one extraordinary date with destiny, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far, and far away, uh, none of them would have ever been born. That place was London, England, and the date was Saturday, September 7th, 1940. The Second World War was at its ugly and deadly worst. Nazi bombers roared across the English Channel day after day, destroying the city of London and killing thousands of innocent civilians. Amanda's grandmother was just a baby then in the light of her mother's life. At the first sound of the air raid sirens, the young mother would bundle her tiny daughter in a blanket and hurry to the nearby shelter. And that's where they would spend the day, huddled underground with hundreds of other Londoners as the enemy's planes swarmed overhead, pummeling the city with bombs. As night fell, people returned to their homes. But on this night, that little baby and her mother were stopped at their front door. Holding the child in one arm, the woman pulled the house key from her pocket and fitted it into the lock. Suddenly, a swirl of dark, dense air filled the doorway. She stepped back, grasping the baby more tightly. The whirling mass lengthened and thickened until she could make out the blurred image of a figure. A man with long, uncombed hair flowing down over a dirty white robe. Do not stay here at night, the being ordered in an eerie whisper. Return to the shelter. The air buzzed with static electricity for a moment, and then the phantom vanished. Terrified, the young mother clutched her child and ran out into the street screaming for help. An elderly neighbor tried to reassure her, reminding her that the Germans never attacked at night, but she wouldn't be comforted. She insisted on going to the nearest shelter immediately and staying there overnight. Hours later, Nazi bombers assaulted London with an attack that would prove to be the first of 57 consecutive night raids on the city. Tens of thousands of people were killed and entire areas of the city flattened. The door frame where the apparition had manifested took a direct hit. If it hadn't been for that supernatural warning, Amanda's grandmother would have died as a tiny infant and the people gathered to celebrate Amanda's birthday would never have been born. Yes, she had many people to be grateful to, some of whom she had never met, and another being she would never fully comprehend. With that thought, the birthday girl scrambled from her sleeping bag, thrust open the tent's flaps, and called out, Good morning! Last one into the lake's a rotten egg! I guess just why the wrapping of, like, it's this young girl's birthday in there? Just tell the part about the... I guess the ghost that can tell when the Nazis are flying over. Yeah, like who was the ghost? What what was he? Father Christmas? Like I don't <laughs> understand. Like what is the connection? Like and that so, ghost are... was Teddy Roosevelt back from the <laughs> grave to warn about the Nazis coming. Yeah, I I mean he was rough riding in the sky with his aerial yeah. <laughs> force. I I don't understand why. Who was that ghost? Why would he randomly have saved? Amanda's grandmother? You didn't tell anyone else. Right? Uh, yeah, yeah, right. Like, why? Uh, what, what What made them special? She is and... hot. She should procreate. 
I, yeah, I don't. And yeah, the whole like, it's her 20th birthday. And I was like, this sounds like a seven year old child. I don't understand how this is a 20 year old person. Like, what? And I guess you're supposed to be like, oh no, the time before I was born, I didn't, I was not born. I didn't exist. That's scary. And it's like, is it scary or is it just nothing you could ever comprehend anyway? So who cares? Yeah. I, it's, yeah. I just don't. I mean, I, I, I'm grateful for, you know, heritage and like understanding like your roots and like where you came from and your family's story and all that stuff. That's very interesting. But to kind of pin it on this, like, I wouldn't have been born if this Teddy Roosevelt didn't come down and think my great grandma was hot. And... Yeah, that goes to thought my grandma was hot was Abraham Lincoln. Like, <laughs> if, I I just don't. Yeah, like just a the random plane hit my top hat when I was up in the <laughs> air and I have to come and warn you specifically. Okay, I've got another short one to read here that just exemplifies, I think, sort of the quality of story here. It was very forgettable in general, so I bet you don't even remember this one. That uh, one yeah, Paris. these were these were extremely forgettable. Anyway, this this one's called Between the Covers. Oh, <laughs> actually, oh my God, Chris! Coincidentally, I had that one open. Okay, well, I'll I'll, I'll read this one. Oh yeah, for go for it. Shannon smiled as she watched the van pull into the driveway. She'd been so looking forward to having her nephew Keith and his family stay for the weekend. Those boys of his could run around the acreage as hard and fast as they pleased and still not get into any trouble. He could spend the nights with the kids outside in the big tent and not inside because fuck you, Keith. And Shannon would invite <laughs> Marilee Keith's new wife to stay with her in the cottage. Yeah, fuck you, Keith. And you'd Yeah, boys. we're having a girls party in here. Get out. That young woman hadn't exactly had an easy time of it marrying into the family. But Shannon knew she could offer some special comfort. Oh, that what line. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, all right. That sounds like you're going to fuck your nephew's wife. That's weird. By evening, everyone was gathered around the campfire, happily singing verse after verse of every song any of them knew, as well as a few they barely knew very well at all. Finally, it was time to drown the dying embers and hit the bedrolls. They all wanted to be well-rested for a full day of fun tomorrow. As Keith corralled his sons, Shannon drew merrily aside. The boys are fine out in the tent. Let's you and me bunk together in the cabin. There's a okay. lovely little bedroom at the back that I'm sure you'll enjoy. Oh boy. Merrily tried to protest, but when she saw Keith <laughs> nodding at his aunt's suggestion, weirdo, she gratefully oh. accepted the invitation. So Listen, I gotta, like, my aunt's, I, I just do her a favor like this every once in a while. Inside the rough you Gotta roll cabin, with it to stay in the family. <laughs> Shannon showed the young woman to her room. I do appreciate this, Marilee said. Thank you. The boys are great fun and Keith's wonderful with them, but they do get rambunctious. You're very welcome. I'm just so glad you could come and visit, Shannon said, giving Marilee a hug. There's a book of short stories on the night table in case you would like to read a bit before you drift off to sleep. Marilee returned to her hostess's hug and smiled as she prepared for bed. She lay down and was drifting off to sleep when it occurred to her that it would be polite to at least start one of the stories in the book Shannon had so thoughtfully set out for her. She sat up, switched on the bedside lamp, and opened the old hardbound volume. As she did, a small gauzy fragment of material fluttered from between the pages. Marilee looked in surprise. It was a feather. It must have been caught between the pages. The feather or piece of fluff or whatever it was was so light that the air movement seemed to make it fly. She watched it dance to the foot of the bed and wondered vaguely how long the thing might have been tucked into the book. Whimsy appealed to Marilee's nature, and if she held her head at an angle and it squinted her eyes just a bit, she could convince herself that the feather was moving on its own. If she squeezed her eyes nearly closed, the thing didn't look like a feather anymore, but a pale image, a loosely woven likeness of a woman. Marilee's eyelids flew open. She gasped. A miniature opaque figure of an elderly woman with snow-white hair hovered just above the bed. 
Except, of course, that couldn't be. Then the shimmering being smiled at her, and soft warmth cascaded over merrily. The vision was speaking, but her words seemed to be blown away as they came from her mouth. Leaning toward the presence, merrily heard her whisper, All is well. You are welcome here. With that, the illusion faded from sight and merrily fell into a deep, restful sleep. The next thing she knew, the sun shining into the bedroom window and distant sounds of children playing in the lake had wakened her. Merrily realized she must have overslept. She quickly pulled on a pair of shorts and a t-shirt and opened her bedroom door. Shannon was standing nearby holding a mug of steaming coffee in her hand that she extended to the sleepy young woman. Good morning, Merrily offered shyly. I'm guessing you met our resident Wraith? The younger woman nodded. Shannon smiled and said, I'm glad you did. She's quite something, isn't she? Welcome to the family, dear. We're so happy to have you be part of us. Merrily smiled back, knowing deep in her soul that something very special had happened to her. So I guess a tiny gnome lesbian ghost like, <laughs> appeared to you and be like, I see you're in here with Shannon. It's cool. I'm, I'm cool with you here. You're hot, I guess. Yeah, I don't understand. They're like, okay, so if you're part of the family, then you have to know about this little fairy that lives in a book. I Why? Why? Why is it important? And the boys can't know. It's not for boys. Not for boys. It's only for us girls um, in the back room, in the secret back room. Between the covers. Between Honestly, the it covers. seems like there's some innuendo happening here. <laughs> this whole thing, yeah, definitely seemed... I, I could hear the, the porno music, like, queuing up in the background. I was like, yeah, lesbian gnome ghost porn. It's my favorite kind. Yeah, it's great. Um, I don't get it. I don't understand... I, that's not even spooky, right? It's just like it's a nice Canadian ghost. It's like, hey, I'd see you're up in my cabin here with Shannon. It's cool. I just want to let you know it's cool. Yeah. Just, let just you know don't let the cool. boys. If you let the boys in, that's a different story. Then I'll eat your eyes. <laughs> but <laughs> just don't know. let the just want the boys in. That's fine. Yeah, I don't. Where I, do you think Shannon's husband went? You're right. Yeah, Shannon. Shannon is. I think Shannon is married to the uh, fairy. Okay, yeah, that makes the most sense to me. That's why she says, welcome to the family. Yeah, yeah, I think that's what it is. That's that's the only thing I can... I can. <laughs> Have you met my Puzzle gnome out. wife? She lives in a book. I smash her between the pages. Yeah, it's our fetish. Keep, why would you... <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, why, why the fuck would you keep your fairy wife in a book? That seems... So Listen, like she gets that. off on it. She's, she's a squish fetishist. <laughs> I guess that works. I guess. <laughs> that's what we're working with here aren't we yeah squish me for eternity in between this book's pages squish me and introduce me to your family oh, <laughs> um, <laughs> really western canada's got some weird fetishes i i don't know i suppose um, all right do you have any other stories you'd like to read paris um do you remember when ruby the boxer came back from things in jars because i was oh, yeah. pretty sad um <laughs> there was uh one of the many stupid stories uh this one was like Two brothers who are both captains, and one of them has a dream about how he has to rescue his brother from a storm, and everyone's like, wow, that's really weird, and it's like, is it weird if you're a seafaring family and both of the kids are captains, and one of them is having dreams about rescuing the other one in a storm? That doesn't sound weird. That sounds Seems normal. like an anxiety dream you would have if that was your job. Yes, and there's a point where one of the brothers was exhausted, and he falls asleep quickly, but then he wakes up. Uh, no, I'm sorry. He falls asleep quickly and then he has a dream. And uh, in the dream, 
The terror was even worse because a glowing, transparent mirage of a being appeared and extended its hand toward Adrian. A single word, family, was scrawled upon the specter's <laughs> palm. And I... I don't think it's 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 the guy from Things in Jars. I think it's Vin Diesel, or Vin Diesel is playing <laughs> Vin... that role. Yeah, it's 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 uh, actually yeah, it's uh, moderately slow and the and the sort of furious, the, the ship version of. Fast we can't really furious. go that quick, honestly. Yeah, but the storms are furious, though. Yeah, um, the storms. Um, uh, yeah, I there's there's just so many things in this book. There is actually a point in one of the stories is the doctor's house call. There's like this kid comes to get this doctor to save her mom, and the doctor says, "But I'm a surgeon, not a physician." As a way to like, it is different, but like, I'm sure that if you're a surgeon, you understand basic general medical stuff. Like, unless you're a specialist, I I just thought that was a weird, like, wow, I really don't want to do this house call and help this mom's, this kid's mom. Listen, I'm a doctor. I'm a surgeon, not a doctor. You gotta, you gotta knock next door. He's, he doesn't, he's, that other guy hasn't cut anyone open ever. So he's more likely to help your mom. Oh, the twist in that story. Sorry, I forgot to say. The twist in the moderately slow and kind of furious story was that family was the name of his brother's ship that he had to save, but I don't know <laughs> so why that mattered. it was definitely mattered. Vin Diesel's ghost boat. <laughs> but it didn't matter because the knowledge of the name of the boat didn't have anything to do with him do being with... in the right place at the right time. So why? Um, and then the doctor's house call, the twist in that one is, ooh, the child was a ghost. All right. So I think you get the picture here <laughs> yeah. of the, again, just gentle spooks that are in here. And perhaps not even all the spooks. Like, you know, the fairy wife story seemed fine in a way. I guess the spook is like sort of the creepy undertone of squish fetishism that you might pull from it. <laughs> I guess you're right. I, I do want to talk briefly about how this book does not paint Canadians in a great light. Um, <laughs> there's a point where uh, um, spending your money at ghost diners. You no, know, there's there's a guy who's like he had a devious plan. He was going to be so bad this weekend. He was going to leave work early to play golf. And it's like, <laughs> like painted as like, oh, he's a real bad boy. It's like, okay. Playing some golf. Left work half an hour early. No, it would be bad to the epidermis, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Just very, not even under the first layer, really. And yet, like, the light spooks being, like, very scary. Like, as you put, Canadians seem to be the softest in the game here, if that is the level of spook that really gets you guys. Yeah, like uh, if palindromic names are sh- making you piss your pants. <laughs> yes, <laughs> not great. Um, and oh, wait, that's right. I forgot the doctor one, the house call one. All he really does is like tuck her in and put a cold compress on her head. And kind of <laughs> saves her life. <laughs> You're fine. I don't think. I don't think if that that's really did it. sort of the straw that broke the fever's back. Like I don't. She probably would have been okay anyway. Also, it was cold outside already. Yeah, I yeah, it, it was the winter. So yeah, I mean, just the most underwhelming collection. Chris, can we fix it? I I have a whole spiel. Um, yeah, I'll let you go with it because I feel like you cover most of what I would fix. Look, man, 
don't make the stories so like short and frankly pointless this isn't a race to fit as many stories into a short story collection as you can like <laughs> I, i'm like what if you didn't write 30 there someone's gonna shoot you like i don't get it um and so because so instead what we end up with is we have all these stories that sacrifice any buildup or connection just for quantity and i i just cannot imagine why like look i know it's tough to find spooky stories that are suitable for all ages but you can do it there's plenty of stuff that's scary but doesn't involve extreme violence or sexual content. Honestly, the Goosebumps book <laughs> saves Jason Die. Like, there's a lot of Goosebumps stories that, sure, some are lame and, and bad and have plot holes, but there are some that are actually scary, like kids with a, a haunted camera and they start killing people with it. And suddenly there's rogue children murdering people with a camera. That's pretty horrifying. Um,. You know, getting, I think getting trapped, what was it, like getting trapped in an amusement park that's run by aliens or something, and then, ever, but or like, you find out you're the only human in your town, everyone else is aliens. Like, there are ideas that are... I'll even take the Monster Blood series in oh, yeah. Goosebumps, right? It's just like a like, like evil gack that's out to swallow everyone whole, which, by the way, is relevant to the next book that we have to read, Paris. I don't know if you knew that. Oh, that's right. It is relevant. Um, like the haunted mask was a pretty scary idea in a Goosebumps book, um, where I think these siblings put on this mask and I, I think it gets stuck on their face and they, they turn into an actual monster. I mean, there's, um, quite a few that, that are actually funny and safe for all ages. Um, not that I think Goosebumps are like fantastic or anything, but again, it's like. Yeah. It, but you're not going to read a whole Goosebumps around the campfire, right? Like unless you were doing like a multi. They're evening. not. They're not very long. Um. So like they are short for like you know quick campfire spooks or something, and like you know you do probably want to keep it really brief for some of the smaller, more hard to keep paying attention children. But I don't know. You could just do like make the ghosts a little bit more scary instead of just like a ghost appeared. And then I never had cream in my coffee ever again. Well, and and the other thing I I didn't like was that all the stories like lacked connective tissue, right? Like there was nothing that made me understand why a spook was especially scary or important or, you know, like, why do I care that this, yeah, like, for the, the World War II one, the Happy Birthday one, it was like, okay, why did that ghost want to save that one lady? I'm more invested in, like, what was the, why? Who was that ghost? I I don't know. Why do I care? Also, it was a nice ghost, so that's teaching children that ghosts can be nice, which I suppose is good, right? Like, you don't, you don't want to paint all ghosts with one brush. Well, no, most of the ghosts in this book were either nice or middling. Like, they didn't actively cause harm. The only the only story with uh, somebody who was causing harm was, like, uh, a human man, which is very accurate. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know. That's because they're Canadian ghosts. They're polite, nice ghosts. Uh, anyway, don't buy this. Please, don't don't buy this. It's not worth your time. If you're like, but I need stories, don't. Don't do it. Don't. Buy any other storybook. I I also just wanted to, um, before we ended, just give some recommendations for some short story collections that I thought had some good, creepy, and unsettling content. You know, maybe they weren't perfect, or maybe not all the stories were great, but they had some great writing or good ideas or both. 
Um, Her Body and Other Parties by Carmen Maria Machado. Uh, Jagannath by Karen Tidbeck. La Femme Grotesque by Victoria Dulp. And then you get some classics here. If you're looking for some campfire stuff, um, maybe if you've got some adults, uh, Books of Blood by Clive Barker is a classic. And then if you've got adults and kids, honestly, get just pick up the three book series, Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark by Alvin Schwartz. We all classic. remember those. Um, classic stuff right there. You know, illustrated by the inimitable uh, Stephen Gamble. I mean, those those have a mix of like silly and actually scary, and they're pretty short and easy to read around a campfire. Um, I don't know. I yeah, that's it. Those really, are my the uncontested royalty of you know short, sweet, spooky stories. Yeah, and there's I'm sure there's plenty of other stuff out there. I mean, I particularly really like short horror story collections. This is kind of my jam. So, um, if any of you have come across great short story collections, uh, please please tell me about them. I don't think I'd have much to add in terms of the can we fix it here. I mean, I read the about the author portion at the back of the book, and Barbara sure seems earnest, I suppose. Oh, but I actually like, didn't. I, um... it's, it's, it's not like you're going to get too much revealed to you when you read it, Paris, but it just seems like she was like, I'll just put together 30 stories for the kids. It'll be fun. And that's why we got kind of this sort of middling effort level thing that does not really really spook so i, I agree, generally agree with everything you said for can you fix it but i agree this this better short story co- sh- short spooky story collections out there yeah and I, again to get I, your just spooks. Wanna, I just want to stress that like don't sacrifice quality for quantity this that's really what happened in this one i feel um so don't don't let just that publisher keep ones. a gun to your head and be like you gotta hit 130 pages Miss Smith or the dog gets it. Like, don't go publish somewhere else. Self-publish. Don't, don't, don't do it, Barbara. It's the ghost of Teddy Roosevelt that appeared to her and said, "You must make it 30. It's the president's number. I'm from Canada. It doesn't matter to me. Do it, bitch." Like, I don't know. Uh, Theodore Roosevelt is the 26th president, so I feel like he would have been like 26. Like, I don't know. This is terrible. All right. Uh, yeah, this this was not this was a bad book. Don't buy it. Um, please buy any of the other things we recommended instead. And uh, we will see you next time. All right. But first, let's thank the patrons. Oh, yeah. We got to thank those. They're important. Thank those patrons. Okay. All right. Well, thank you, Greg, Veronica, Will, D, Jared, Arant, Senior, Jakub, Lycoris, Elliot, Kieran, Martin, Jay, Luchek, Miri, Yanka, David, Julius, Anya, Patricia, Austin, Donnie, Beast with the Least, Scott H, Robin, Laxtodes of the Void, the Taco Eating Unicorn, Last Man on Earth 01, Funny Robot with Antennas, Hobbyboy93, Harry, Mason, Renee, Emmy, The Ugly One, Bleached Black Cat, Julius the Nice Dragon, Eastern Swiss, Rudy Bo Booty, and our Kofi donor Kiwi thing. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Hooray. All right. Well, go uh, go read some actually spooky stuff, and uh, and we'll see you next time. Yeah, I guess I'm going to just get in an elevator and make sure I'm always nice and polite to anyone that talks to me, or else they'll, I don't know, just... The ghost didn't even do anything. He just thought he was a jerk. I don't want ghosts to think no, I'm a jerk. I, so I want I want people to think I'm a ghost. So I'm I'm gonna just not respond to people in elevators. I'll continue okay. my yeah, long tradition of not responding to people in elevators. <laughs> All right, we'll see you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Terrible Book Club. Terrible Book Club is an independent podcast produced by your hosts Paris and Chris. 
Sound design and audio editing by Chris, with sound effects and music by Epidemic Sound and sometimes also Chris. Our theme song is Kiss by Yearn, which is, you guessed it, actually, also Chris. You can find more of his soothing synthy sounds on Bandcamp at yearn.bandcamp.com. Do you want us to review a book of your choice on the show? Do you want access to some extra audiovisual weirdness? If so, become a patron at patreon.com slash terriblebookclub. If you'd like to send us a one-time tip instead, you can do that at ko-fi.com slash terriblebookclub. You can also support TBC for free by sharing the show on social media, following our accounts on YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, or Goodreads, telling your friends about your favorite episode, or by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts, Podchaser, or anywhere else on the internet. To send us book recommendations or your adorable pet photos, send an email to terriblebookclub at gmail.com. 